This is Andrew Womack, and this is our second and final tape in a series that I've entitled The Power of Partnership. And primarily, this is about not just giving, but specifically people who partner with a church or with a ministry. They, they are a partner in the gospel. And by that, I am meaning that it's more than just an emotional type of a, occasional gift, but rather it's a systematic, planned deliberate type of partnership where you are committed and a part of what the work of the Lord is doing. I believe that that's implied in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 2 where Paul gave the Corinthians and he said in verse 1 that he had already commanded the churches of Galatia to do this thing, to lay by them in store every week upon the first day of the week. In other words, this was systematic, planned, deliberate giving. I also used the verse from Ephesians, or excuse me, it was uh, Philippians chapter 1, where the apostle Paul uh, in verse 5 said that he was thanking God for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. The Greek word that was used there for fellowship is koinonia, and it's talking about partnership is what the word literally means. It was translated contribution in other place. And it's talking about financial support. Maybe not all money, but uh, food, clothes, provision. It was talking about physical support. And so Paul here was writing the letter of the uh, the letter to the Philippians was to his partners. And many of the promises that we stand on, Philippians 4.19, where it says, But my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's actually written to people who are partnering in the gospel, not people who just occasionally give, but people who are systematically giving. In other words, another way of saying this is like some of the scriptures that we used over in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This was written to sowers, not eaters. Not people who were only wanting to get their needs met, but people who had moved beyond the selfish motivation of just trying to get their needs met. And they've come to realize that the reason God prospers us is so that we can establish his kingdom here on the earth. The reason they get a job is so that they can have to give to him that needs. And we've used a number of those scriptures, Ephesians 4.28, Deuteronomy 8.18, other places. Seek first the kingdom of God with your money, with your financial resources. And when you do that, then there is a supernatural flow, a divine flow that takes place to where God will take care of your needs personally. He will do it. You don't have to do it. If you will, if you will take care of God's kingdom, God will take care of your kingdom. There are so many powerful things that I've said right there. What I want to do on this tape is to share another aspect of partnership that many people are just unaware of. I mean, this is something that uh, I believe very few Christians have understood this. And let me take a passage of Scripture from Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 16. This says, A man's gift maketh room for him, and bringeth him before great men. You know, this is often interpreted that this is talking about a talent a gifting, a characteristic, an anointing upon a person's life. Matter of fact, I've used this verse in that exact same way. But you know what? As I begin to study this verse in greater detail and got actually into the Hebrew words that are used here, 
I don't believe that this is talking about, say, for instance, the gift of teaching that God has put on my life is going to bring me before great men and make room for me. Now, there are principles in the Word of God that will show that. The favor, the blessing, the talents that God gives a person do promote you, and they cause things to happen that would never happen without God's favor and blessing on your life. And so I believe that that is a scriptural principle, but that is not what this verse is speaking of. The type of gift that this is talking about right here is talking about a gift, a present not an anointing or a favor, but rather a gift that a person gives to another person. The Hebrew word that was translated gift in this instance is matan, I guess, M-A-T-T-A-N. And it literally means a present. It was used five times in the Old Testament, Genesis 34:12, Numbers 18:11, here, in Proverbs 18:16, also in Proverbs 19:6, and in Proverbs 21:14. So there's a total of five times this word was used. As you look at this and the way it was translated in other places, I believe it'll leave no doubt that it was talking about a physical gift that you give. For instance, let's just look in Proverbs 19:6. It says, "Many will entreat the favor of the prince, and every man." is a friend to him that giveth gifts. This is the exact same word that was translated gift in Proverbs 18. In Proverbs 19:6, the one that I just quoted, it makes it very clear that every man is a friend to him that giveth gifts. This isn't talking about that you were imparting anointings, talents, abilities, but rather it's talking about that if you give gifts, people will be friendly towards you. In Proverbs chapter 21, And in verse 14, it says, A gift in secret pacifieth anger, and a reward in the bosom strong wrath. And this right here is definitely talking about that when you give a gift. If somebody's mad at you, you can diffuse that situation by giving them a gift. As a matter of fact, a variation of this word, it's the feminine part of this word. It's uh, M-A-T-T-A-H-A-H. Uh, It's basically the same word, but it's just an application. It was used to describe a bribe in Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 27. Here's what that verse says. He that is greedy of gain troubleth his own house, but he that hateth gifts shall live. In that instance, it's obvious that it's not talking about that if you hate anointings on a person's life, talents or abilities, that you shall live, but rather this is talking about a bribe. And so the very root of this word, in every instance, it's used to describe uh, a gift, a present, something physical, tangible that you give away. So let's go back and look at this. It says, a man's gift, a present that you give makes room for him, and it will bring you before a great man. Here's the way that this was translated in the New Revised Standard Version. It says, a gift opens doors, and it gives access to the great. And it's even clearer in the NIV translation. It says, a gift opens the way for the giver and ushers him into the presence of the great. And so what this is talking about is that when you give gifts... There is something that happens that opens up doors for you and it brings you before great men. I'm going to apply this towards partnership. 
because I really believe that this is what partnership does. It not only starts a supernatural flow that when you give, that it starts a flow of God's divine uh, gifts back to you. I mean, uh, financial blessings back to you. It not only does that, it not only blesses the work that you give to, but it also starts a supernatural impartation of the blessings, the anointings, the power that are upon the ministry that you've given to. Now, some of you may not see that, but that's what I hope to prove in this tape. And I'm using as a foundation for this Proverbs 18:16 that says a man's gift, talking about something physical that you give away, makes room for you and brings you before great men. There is a spiritual dynamic that ties you to the person or the ministry that you are giving to. And this is on the negative side of that. I'm not going to emphasize this very much, but I believe that's also the reason that the Scripture says not to lay hands suddenly upon any man lest you be a partaker of his sins. In other words, this is talking about ordination. When you lay hands on somebody and separate them to the ministry, and it says if you do it casually, if you do it without thought, and you just, you know, do this, well, then you become united with that person. Your blessing has been placed upon them, and you become a partaker of their sins, of their failures, of their faults. Man, that's a strong statement. So that's the negative side of it. Well, if that works in the negative, and I think that many of us can see that that can happen, it'll also work in the positive. That when you give to someone, and of course it wouldn't have to be just in ordination, but if you become a partner with someone, then you become a part of what they are doing. You reap rewards. I taught that on our last tape. We talked about that. How that David made it a precedent that the people who stayed by the stuff got equal split of the spoils with those who actually went out and did the fighting. And that's the way it is in partnership. You become a partner with those that you are giving to and supporting that work. You not only get a financial blessing, you not only get the joy of knowing that you're supporting the kingdom of God, and you not only are going to have people in eternity that will come up to you and thank you for the part that you played in touching their life and bringing them into the kingdom. All of those things are wonderful enough, but you also start a supernatural flow where you become a partaker of the blessings and the anointings that are on that person or on that ministry. Now, this doesn't just happen automatically, but if you will believe for it, if you will understand that this is available and then believe for it, I believe that you will start seeing those blessings manifest in your life. Let me give you an example of this over in 1 Kings chapter 10. This is talking about Solomon. It had been describing his wealth and his greatness. He was the smartest man, or I think the scripture says the wisest man. There is a difference between being smart and wise. But he was the wisest man on the face of the earth. God had promoted him and blessed him, and he asked for this wisdom. And so God gave it to him as a gift. And uh, it became world-renowned. And because he had asked for an unselfish thing so that he could be a good king, the Lord gave him that which he didn't ask for. He also made him exceedingly rich. Matter of fact, it says in Scripture that Solomon was so rich 
that everything that he had was made of gold. They didn't even use silver. Silver was nothing. It was thrown on the streets. It was treated like a rock because uh, his kingdom was so prosperous. So anyway, the fame of Solomon spread. And in chapter 10 of 1 Kings is where the queen of Sheba came to see if what she had heard about Solomon was true. So in 1 Kings chapter 10, in verse 1, it says that when the queen of Sheba had heard the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. And she came to Jerusalem with a very great train, with camels that bear spices, and very much gold, and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions. There was not anything hid from the king which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built and the meat of his table and the setting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel and his cupbearers and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. And she said to the king, it was a true report which I heard in mine own land of thine acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit I believed not the words until I came, and mine eyes had seen it, and behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. Happier thy man, happy are these thy servants, which stand continually before thee, and that hear thy wisdom. Blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighteth in thee to set thee on the throne of Israel, because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore made he thee king to do judgment and justice. And she gave the king a hundred and twenty talents of gold and of spices, very great store and precious stones. There came no more such abundance of spices as these, which the queen of Sheba gave to, gave to King Solomon. And then it goes on to say in uh, verse 13, it says, And King Solomon gave unto the queen of Sheba all her desire whatsoever she asked, besides that which Solomon gave her of his royal bounty. So she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. Now the point that I'm wanting to bring out, we're talking from Proverbs chapter 18, verse 16, that a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. This isn't talking about a talent, an ability, but rather a present, a gift. The negative side of that would be a bribe. The positive side would be that it just blesses people, and people respond positively. Every man is a friend to him that gives gifts. The Queen of Sheba actually employed this exact principle that we're talking about. You know, it goes on to say right here in the 10th chapter of 1 Kings that all people, all kings of the earth, sought to Solomon for his wisdom and for his blessing. Now stop and think about this. Solomon was the most famous man in the world in his day. He, he uh, was the ruler of the most prosperous kingdom in the world in his day. And it says that all people of the earth sought to Solomon for his attention so that they could ask his wisdom, get his opinion, and receive his favor. Now think about what that meant. You know, I've, I've not ever been in a real situation like this, but I could just imagine that the President of the United States has so many people that want to see him that certainly not all of them get in. 
And even those who get in, you would have to schedule. You just couldn't walk up to the White House and knock on the door and expect the president to answer and you go in and meet with him. You would probably have to go through a number of channels and you would have to have uh, be on a waiting list. Even if you were accepted, it would take a long period of time for you to get in. Well, I believe that certainly Solomon was was sought after that much. I know that not all kings of the earth are seeking after the president of the United States. But the scripture says that they were seeking after the wisdom of Solomon. And so if you look at that and just think about it a little bit, this meant that there had to be a lot of people wanting to see Solomon. There must have been a long line. It could have taken weeks or months for a person to get in to see King Solomon. But you know what? Apparently, the Queen of Sheba doesn't put it in these terms, but it looks like the Queen of Sheba got put to the front of the line, and she got every one of her questions asked, answered. She had Solomon spend a lot of time with her, and not only did Solomon give her the questions that she needed, answer those questions, but he gave her of her his royal bounty is what it says. And so something caused the Queen of Sheba to get to the front of the line. You know what it was? It says down here that uh, the queen of Sheba, in verse 10, she gave the king 120 talents of gold and of spices, very great store and precious stones. There came no more such abundance of spices as these which the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. You know what she did? She gave a gift, and that gift opened up doors to her and brought her before the greatest man of her day. This is an illustration of exactly what Proverbs 18.16 is talking about. You know, a talent of gold. Now, this is important that you get this. This is going to be a great application to what we're talking about, partnership. A talent of gold was 75 and a half pounds of gold. So if the queen of Sheba gave Solomon 120 talents of gold, that's 9,060 pounds of gold, or 144,960 ounces of gold. Now, you know, the price of gold fluctuates a lot. But if if you figure $300 per ounce, then that would be the equivalent of the queen of Sheba giving Solomon $43,488,000 worth of gold. Now, that's not including the spices and the precious stones. This is just gold. I'm, I'm sure that you could say she gave Solomon over $50 million worth of gold. Now, that is amazing. And she did this because it put her to the front of the line. It was basically, I've heard other people teach on this, that in the Eastern mentality, that you just never approached a person without bringing them some type of gift. Now, I've been in Israel, and I've been in India, and I've been in some of these places, you know, that have a Eastern mentality instead of a Western mentality. And I've seen people do this exact same thing. I've seen people that every time... You know, you meet someone. Every time they come to see you, they present you with some gift. It might even be small, but it's just a kind of a custom. You can still see this reflected in the Eastern mindset. And so I've heard people say that it would have been unheard of in this day and time for a person to come to a king, to come to an important person without a gift. So it's very possible that every single person seeking the the, uh, 
attention of Solomon brought some type of some type of give, but it's also uh, possible that nobody brought as big a gift as the Queen of Sheba. And because of that, he gave her special attention. She got everything she wanted and much, much more. So much so that the scripture says her breath was taken away. In other words, it just literally overwhelmed her with the things that she saw and the things that she heard from Solomon. And so by her giving a gift, it opened up a door into the life of Solomon. It began a flow of the wisdom and the anointing that was on Solomon to flow towards this queen of Sheba. Boy, that's powerful. That is super powerful. And that illustrates what we're talking about. You, when you become a partner with a ministry, with putting out the kingdom of God, you not only get your needs supernaturally supplied, you not only touch the lives of other people, which is going to benefit you throughout eternity, but you start a supernatural flow of the blessing and the anointing that is on that ministry flowing towards you. Now, all of this has to operate by faith. This isn't magic. It's not just carnal. I'm not talking about that by your gift you are buying you know, something from God. This reminds me that one time I heard a man who is selling prayer cloths. And he says, if you'll send in $10, I'll send you a piece of cloth that I've prayed over and you will be healed, delivered, miracles will happen. Well, now, I believe that Acts 19.11 says that from the body of, of Paul were passed handkerchiefs and aprons. And when these handkerchiefs and aprons came in touch with other people, demons left diseases left, people were cured, etc. I believe that that's a scriptural principle. And I've prayed over prayer clause, and I've seen lots of people healed by doing that. But I don't think you can buy it. You can't just, you know, if you don't operate in any faith, just send in 10 bucks, you get this cloth, you put it on you, and boom, it's magic. Automatically things are going to happen. No, that's not what happens. But if you are operating in faith, you can use a piece of cloth as a point of contact. You can literally put the anointing of God into a piece of cloth. And if faith is present, and this is a very important if faith is present, then that faith that was put into that anointing that was put into that cloth through faith can flow right into a person and miracles can happen. I believe that. But, you know, it won't work for people that aren't believing God. It's not just automatic. It's not magic. It all has to operate by faith. And if somebody's telling you that you can just buy the anointing, no, you're missing the point. But I'm saying that if you become a partner with a person who does have God's anointing and ability upon them, then that blessing that is on that person, if you are giving in faith, you are putting into practice this principle from Proverbs 18:16 about that gift. It's talking about a physical gift, a financial gift. It can open a door for you and bring you before great men. It will start giving you access to the blessing, the anointing that's on that person or upon that ministry, upon that church. I believe that that's available. And, you know, I've done this on a number of occasions. I mean, I have done it a lot. Matter of fact, you know, I can't remember where I say what. And uh, if I said this on the previous tape, you'll just have to forgive me. But it's a perfect example of what I'm talking about right now. Uh, and so even if I've given this example, it'll bear repeating. But I'm in the process of believing God 
to increase our outreach significantly. There is a television network that I want to go on that will cost about $150,000 per month. You know, that's close to being uh, $2 million per year. And that's a lot of money. And in order to be able to do this, the Lord has shown me that in order to pay that television time and pay for the increased expense in staff and materials, I have to increase at least $300,000 per month. And so I figured out that if we had 10,000 new partners at an average of $1 per month, I mean $1 per day, that would equal out to an average of $30 per month or $360 per year. $30 per month at 10,000 people doing that would be $300,000. That's about what I need to take this next step. So I've been believing and uh, trusting God that he's going to touch people's heart and I'll get $300,000 more through 10,000 monthly partners. So that's what I've been believing for. Well, not long after I did that, I went to a meeting where there was a person who was believing to go on television, and they are going to go on the PAX television network, and their initial cost was around $900,000 to buy a transponder, something like that. I'm not sure about all the details, but uh, they were going to pay something about $900,000. There's other expense, so they were asking people to partner with them. And, you know, as... I was listening to this. I really appreciate this minister. We've been friends for a long time. And I appreciate what they're doing and how God is using them. And I need a miracle myself. They already are at a level that's ahead of me as far as the outreach and the financial flow and all of these things. They're walking in that anointing that I want. So you know what I did? I not only want to partner with them to be a blessing to them and to touch lives, but I also sowed a seed of $3,000 per month towards that television need, their television need. And the reason I did that was so that that gift would open up a door for me and I could draw on their anointing, the same blessing that is on their life to accomplish these goals. As I help them accomplish their goals, God is going to take that same anointing and start flowing it towards me to accomplish my goals. You know, that is awesome. Some people will be critical of that and thinking, well, man, that's selfish or carnal. No, I just believe that that's wisdom. It's just how things work. There's nothing more carnal with that than there is to see a person who's offended at you and you want to reconcile with them. And so you use a gift to uh, pacify wrath and to make them a friend. You say, well, that's manipulation. Well, it's a good manipulation. It's a positive thing. You know, there is nothing evil about money in itself. Money is just physical. Money is just natural. You know, I could take a $100 bill and I could use that $100 bill to solicit a prostitute and accomplish something bad. I could use that $100 bill as a bribe towards a politician to influence him in a way that's ungodly. Or I could take that $100 bill and I could give it to you and just say, God told me to do this and God just wants you to know that he loves you. And you know, that same $100 bill could accomplish different things. Money itself is amoral. It's not immoral or moral. It's amoral. It has no morality to it whatsoever. It depends on what you do with it. 
A gift can be used as a bribe. A gift can be used for manipulation, for bad things, or you could use a gift, and depending on the attitude of your heart, you can use it for godly things, to open up a door and accomplish something positive. I tell you, we have been so conditioned to see the negative use of things that many times we just throw the baby out with the bathwater. We don't even use the positive, natural things. Uh, We just are so afraid of doing something incorrect and being uh, incorrect in our motives that we forget that there is a right use of everything. Money can be used positively. It's not bad to want the anointing that is on my life or on someone else's life or on a church, that same anointing, the same blessing, the same power that you see flowing. There's nothing wrong with that. And man, to desire it is a good thing. The Bible says to desire spiritual gifts. It's a command twice in 1 Corinthians. And so he told us to desire spiritual gifts, and we're supposed to follow after spiritual gifts. There's nothing wrong with that. And so by becoming a partner with a ministry, a work of the Lord, you not only start a supernatural flow for your finances, you not only bless the people who are being touched through that ministry, but you also can partake of that anointing, that blessing that's on their life. And you can get that anointing flowing towards yourself. You know, some friends of mine, Charlie and Jill LeBlanc, uh, they are, they've been friends with me for I don't even know how many years. I'm sure it was around 1980 when we first met and became friends. And they're musicians. They travel with Joyce Meyer and do all of the praise and worship for her meetings. And they are just one of the most anointed couples in, in music that I've ever heard. And anyway, Charlie and Jill were out on their own traveling and ministering. And even though they were powerfully anointed and blessed, you know, they struggled financially. They had to take their kids with them. Their kids were young, and so there was a lot of expense in travel. And uh, I have talked with them a lot, and and we've prayed with each other. And I've tried to, before they went with Joyce Meyer, I tried to uh, help them to, uh, you know, solicit uh funds and finances, partners for their ministry, etc. And anyway, because they struggled themselves and knew what it was like to um, struggle, they had a real heart to help other people who were quality ministers and yet for whatever reason just didn't see the abundance that they needed. And so Charlie and Jill were basically taking all of their tithes and offerings and putting it towards Uh, People that they knew in ministry who were good people, but just small works. They they had this kind of concept about, I want to give where my gift can really make a big difference. I want to give in a way that it's going to really make a difference in some ministry's life. So they gave to smaller ministries, and there's nothing wrong with that to a degree. But you know, one thing they were missing out is what we're talking about right here. When you give a gift, you not only bless the ministry you give to, that's that's basically what Charlie and Jill's number one desire was. They wanted to be a blessing with their gifts. So they did bless people when they gave to them. And they also had a supernatural flow of divine prosperity coming towards them. But they were missing out on this aspect of giving partnership that they They were giving to people that, in a sense, I hope you'll understand what I'm saying here, the people they were giving to were kind of below them in the ladder, in maturity, in influence, 
and all of these kind of things. There wasn't really an anointing or a gifting on most of the people's lives that they were giving to that they wanted to draw on. Instead, it was like they were reaching down trying to draw people up, not reaching up trying to get a hand up. And even though that may have been good for a period of time, the Lord convicted Charlie and Jill over the exact same thing that I'm teaching here. As a matter of fact, it was in response to this exact teaching that I heard them give this testimony. And they talked about how that the Lord convicted them that they needed to start giving to ministers who fed them, ministers who had an anointing, a greater anointing in manifestation upon their lives than Charlie and Jill had upon theirs. And they wanted to start giving so that they could start partaking of the blessing and the anointing that was on other people's lives and ministry. So in response to what God was telling them, they started taking their gifts and giving to people like Kenneth Hagin because they went to Kenneth Hagin's school and he had been a blessing to them. And certainly he had anointings and giftings on their life that they desired to see function. They started giving to me because I'd imparted into their life and they wanted that. They also started giving to Joyce Meyer and they started supporting her ministry. They've been a part or a friend with Joyce Meyer for many, many years. And the Lord just said that, man, you need the anointing and the blessing that's on her ministry. So they started giving to her. And I don't remember the exact time, but I believe it was less than a year. I think it was more like six months after they started giving to these other ministries, partnering with them in a desire to tap in to the blessing and the anointing, to use that gift to open up a door of blessing and anointing towards them. Within six months or so of them doing that, David and Joyce Meyer called them up, wanted to go out to eat with them, and basically they they sat down and talked, and then Joyce asked them to do the praise and worship in her Life in the Word seminars. And, of course, through that, Charlie and Jill now have ministered in the United States, I believe, at the Women's Conference to fifteen to 20,000 people at one time. Plus, they minister on a regular basis to five. Six, seven thousand people. They've gone overseas and ministered to crowds of over twenty thousand people. And their influence, their anointing, their power has increased proportionally. And it was not an accident that it happened after they started giving to other ministries desiring that anointing that was on their life. That's a great example of what we're talking about. And, you know, when you talk about this, there's going to be some people who will say, but if you do that, what about these other little works? You know, what about helping these? You know, you should be you shouldn't be giving money to some of these people that are getting five and ten million dollars a month. They don't need your money. They've already got all of this. And I want to give to some place where other people aren't, you know, giving. I want to help those that nobody else is helping. Well, again, this isn't the only way to give. And there is no doubt that God will lead all of us to help people when there is nothing for us to be gaining in this life from it. It's just a benevolence type of gift. And there are certainly places for that. There's times for us giving to the poor when you don't want the anointing that's on their life. It's a benevolence giving. But there are also times that you're supposed to give with this attitude that we're talking about where you use your gift to open up a door for you and to bring you before great men. Look at it this way. As the Queen of Sheba was going to see Solomon, don't you think that this thought came to her that Solomon was the richest man 
on the face of the earth. And not only in that period of time. I mean Solomon's riches outstripped the riches of people of other periods of time. He was just super. He was filthy rich is what we'd say today. And I bet you that the Queen of Sheba probably had the thought come to her about here I am taking this huge offering of at least $50 million to the richest man on the face of the earth. You know what? She could have thought, man, is this wise? You know, there's other things I could do with this. As a matter of fact, as she was headed from Sheba all the way up to see Solomon, she had to pass through a lot of countries. She had to go through, I'm sure, oasis where there were poor people. I'm sure that it wasn't any different than today. There were beggars. There were people that were struggling financially. She probably passed through kingdoms that the amount of money she was taking to Solomon was probably more than their entire national uh, income, their national economy. You know, she could have looked at it and thought, man, I could use this money to bless these people. I ought to be giving. Matter of fact, it'd be very possible that maybe a king came out to her as she made this great train of camels and stuff because you know it's it says that there was um let's see nine thousand sixty pounds of gold that she was carrying if you figure that a camel could carry three hundred pounds of gold then that would be uh what would that be thirty point two camels just to carry the gold. If you carry, if you figure that a camel could hold 600 pounds of gold, then that would be 15 camels just for the gold. And then there had to be servants. There had to be soldiers. It says that the greatest store of spices that ever came into the nation of Israel, she brought. And so she probably had an equal number of camels for her spices as she had for the gold. So it wouldn't be unusual. It wouldn't be stretching it or exaggerating to say that she probably had a hundred or two hundred camels in a caravan going towards Solomon. And it was obvious that she was filthy rich. It was obvious that this was a lot of wealth that she was carrying with her. I don't believe it would be out of reason at all to think that maybe some king or some ruler of a tribe, some Bedouin group, came up and begged her for resources. And if she refused, they could have said, so you're taking all of this money to Solomon, the richest man on the face of the earth. He doesn't need it. I need it. You know, it could have been a guilt trip. She could have felt guilty about passing all these people up. But see what they miss. If you look at it just in those figures about, man, I don't need to be giving my money to this person who's already got so much money. Let me find some small ministry that I can partner with and really make a difference in their life. Well, again, God will lead you to do that at times just because he loves those other ministries and wants to bless them. But you're missing out on this fact that when you give to a ministry, it's not what they need. It's what you need. If you need the blessing, the wisdom, the anointing, the gifts that are on that ministry, then you need to sow a seed not only to help them, but so that you can begin to start getting those things functional in your life. See, the Queen of Sheba, by passing up all of these Bedouins, the beggars, the kings that came out and asked for things and going to Solomon, she gave that money, over $50 million, to the richest man on the face of the earth. But it says in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 11, or verse 13, it says, And King Solomon gave unto the Queen of Sheba all her desire, whatsoever she asked besides that, which Solomon gave her of his royal bounty. 
Now it says in the verses right around here that the gold, the weight of gold that came to Solomon, this is in verse 14, in one year was 603 score and six talents of gold. You know what that means is that Solomon got on a yearly basis 241,358,400 dollars of gold that's at 30 I mean 300 dollars per ounce and of course you know that wasn't including all of the gold that came through other things that was just the gold that he specifically mined and brought in himself and then kings paid tribute to him and all of these things he had, if you just look at this figure right here, that's five and a half times the amount of gold that Solomon got per year than what the Queen of Sheba gave him. And he had other sources too. So I don't think it's unusual. It wouldn't be extravagant or exaggeration again to say that Solomon probably got on a yearly basis ten times the amount of money that the Queen of Sheba brought him. And so what this means is if he gave her out of his bounty, don't you think that Solomon's bounty was greater than the Queen of Sheba's bounty? In other words, here's what I believe happened. She gave this gold and these spices to the King of Solomon, I mean to King Solomon. He opened up his heart, gave her all of her questions, answered every one of them, so much so that it took her breath away. But then he turned around and he gave the Queen of Sheba back much more than what she gave to Solomon. She came away from there richer instead of poor. And now what would happen on her way back to Sheba? What would happen as she passed the same beggars, the same Bedouins, the same uh, kings that came out and begged her for something? She actually could benefit them much more now than she could have before. See, when some people, they get condemned thinking, well, man, I don't need to give my money to somebody who's already got millions of dollars coming in. I need to, you know, use it over here to help this ministry or that. And you're thinking that that money is leaving your life. But see, that's not true. When you give, it's going to be given back unto you. And if you would give, there always needs to be a portion of your giving that is just totally benevolence giving. Because there's some ministries that like feed the poor that you aren't ever going to reap a great reward as far as anointing, abilities, gifts, and things like that from feeding the poor. But there is a place, and the Scripture talks about that, if you see your brother or sister in need, and if you don't help them, how dwells the love of God in you? When you help prisoners, Jesus said, if you minister to one of them, you minister unto me. But you know what? You aren't going to get gifts and anointings and things flowing your way through ministering to prisoners. Now, there is a place to do that, and I'm not trying to discredit that. But I'm saying that there is a partnership type of giving to where you give, and by that gift, you are opening up a door that allows the anointing, the giftings, the blessings that are upon the ministry you're supporting to start flowing towards you. Man, that is powerful. And I've used this, as I gave you examples already, I've used this many, many times. I remember that I took my group of Bible college students one time over to Wales, and we went to Arthur Burt's house. Many of you may know who he is, some of you may not, but Arthur Burt used to travel with Smith Wigglesworth. And the man, I think, is uh, right now, he's about 90 years old, something like that, and anyway, we just sat down, and he started just pouring out the wisdom 
uh, we were asking him questions like what it was like then compared to now and trying to get understanding so that we could uh, better represent the Lord and understand what's happened in the past and things like this. And I tell you, it was profound. It was powerful. We we asked him questions for hours. Then later that night, we had all of the students together, and Arthur began to start teaching us and just sharing the word with us. And it was what I consider to be one of the great privileges I've had. And anyway, after we were in his home, and he was just sharing. This wasn't a church service. He didn't ask for anything. Matter of fact, he actually put up all of our students for free and didn't ask for anything in return. But, you know, I've just learned that, man, you don't need to have that. You need to be a giver not a taker. I blessed him more with more money than if he would have charged us per student. And I got up and I told the students basically the exact same thing that I've been teaching you right here, that we need to become a part of this man's life and ministry. He still travels and teaches and does things. And I I shared these truths about the Queen of Sheba coming to Solomon and how that by doing that, she opened up a door and that blessing and anointing that was on Solomon's life began to flow towards her and she was the richer for it. And I said, we've got a privilege right here to draw on the anointing and the wisdom and the giftings that are in Arthur Burt. And we took up a huge offering and gave it to him. And you know what? I really believe that that imparted some things to me. I believe I'm better off because of that. You know, I really believe that the things that are operating in my life have come in part, not totally, but in part because I have been around great men and women of God. And I have supported them and I have given on purpose saying, God, I want to be a part of that. I am going to sow part of my life into this person and into that ministry. And by doing so, I open up a door that allows the blessing that's on them to flow towards me. I know that the man Joe Nay, the guy who's responsible for kind of getting me started in ministry. I mean, he was very influential in my life. Man, my wife and I gave a lot of money to him. I mean, well, I don't guess it was a lot of money in the sense of the amount of money, but at the point we were at, percentage-wise, we gave him everything we had a number of times. We were so excited about how God was using him, and we desired those gifts that were on his life. And for a number of years, I mean, we were very, very strong partners with the Joe Nay Ministries. And then things happened. We went different directions, and we literally were out of touch for, I don't know, at least one decade or more. And, you know, when Joe and I finally got back together and I heard him minister, you know, it shocked me. It, in a sense, even startled me, scared me, because it was like I was looking in a mirror. He was ministering the way that I minister. He was using the gifts of the Spirit. He had the it was the same type of minister. I mean, it was it was like we were carbon copies of each other. I didn't intentionally do that. I never sat down and tried to be like Joe Nay. But you know what? I gave and I partnered with him and I was so close to him and so united with him in the beginning that without even realizing that, you know what? A lot of those gifts that were on his life operate in me. The real strong points in Jonah's ministry is he works, he operates in a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge, a discerning of spirits, and he sees lots of people healed. Did you know that that's exactly what I do? I, I believe that there's a connection here. And this is the point that I've been trying to get across on this tape. You need to recognize that partnership not only 
starts a supernatural flow of finances towards you where God will take care of your needs if you will take care of his needs. Now, that's one aspect. A second aspect is that you bless the people who are being ministered to through that ministry. And in eternity, you're going to have people come up to you who will thank you for the impact that you made on their life. And you've never seen them. But through that ministry, you became a partner in doing that. And you will reap in rewards. But also, you open up a door through your partnership, through your giving. And you start a supernatural flow of the blessings, the anointings, the giftings, the favor that is on that ministry, upon that life towards you. It doesn't happen just automatically, but it's available to you. And if you would mix faith with it and give on purpose the way that we've talked about in this teaching, then I believe that you could start seeing those things happen in your life just as I've seen them happen in my life. You know, one last thing that I want to throw in here is that partnership, I've, I've tried to stress this, that there's a difference between giving on purpose and just giving by emotion or, you know, because somebody's asked or you just feel like it every once in a while. It's the difference between a person who just is carrying some seed and some drops out of the bag and falls on concrete or falls in a place where there's a beaten path. You aren't going to get the same results as the person who takes that seed and plows a field and plants the, that uh, corn in rows and puts spaces it a certain way and waters it and takes care of it. There's a difference between just giving and partnership, where you lay by in store, where you do it on a systematic, consistent basis. And I want to stress that there is a blessing on that type of partnership that you don't get out of just a one-time gift. It makes a difference. And you know, another important part of partnership is that it's a commitment. It's a commitment on the ministry's part that you partner with that they are going to be faithfully putting out the Word of God and doing things and releasing an anointing that would be beneficial to you. It's, it's incumbent upon them to be flowing in the power of the Holy Ghost. But there's also a commitment on the part of those who become partners to keep up that partnership. Now, again, I don't believe that all partnerships have to be monthly. I believe you could become a partner with a person giving on occasion. But you know what? Bills come in on a monthly basis, and I'm just telling you from my standpoint, and this will benefit other ministries if you choose to partner with them, regardless whether this is a church or other ministries or whatever. Bills come in on a regular basis. And like if I go on this new television network that's going to cost me nearly $2 million a year, and that's just in the airtime, not counting the employees and the materials and all of these kind of things. If I have to start spending that type of money and I tell some television network that, yes, I'll go on and I sign a year's contract. Well, I haven't got that $2 million up front to pay them. What I'm doing is promising that the money will come in and that I will pay it. And, you know, the only reason I can do that is because there is a consistent track record of the income coming in. And it's really our financial partners who give me that type of confidence. Our bills come in on a monthly basis. And, you know, if a person just, say, for instance, all of the people who gave to us only gave one time a year, and you took their entire year's worth of giving, and they gave it to us, but it only came once a year. Did you know it would be a logistical nightmare for me to figure out uh, when their next gift was going to be and to plan this out and to hold this in reserve and do these kind of things? 
Did you know that really a bulk of our giving is by partners? And they are people that give on a regular basis. I have some different partnership levels. Our Life for Today partnership level produces within a thousand or two thousand dollars of the exact same amount of income every single month, and it's done that for years. I mean, it's our partners basically are consistent. Now, one thing that happens, we've got a new general manager that came on, and he came on in the month of April, and then during June and July and the summer months, our income began to go down, and he just nearly panicked. He was asking me about this and expressing con- some concerns, and uh, I basically said, well, you know, in the summer, people go on vacations, and they take the money that they would have given to the gospel and they use it to pay for vacations and to do things. Or people get out of their routine. They no longer are at work or taking the kids to school. They quit listening at the same time and out of sight, out of mind, they forget you. And he says, well, that's terrible. That's not faithful. That's not being committed. And I said, well, uh, from our standpoint, yes, that's absolutely true. But I'm just telling you, this is the way the ministry works. And he was saying that's appalling. He was really upset over that. And, you know, as I saw his response, I thought, you know, I've I've seen this happen so long that I've kind of gotten used to it. But it really is uh, incorrect. If you are going to become a partner with this ministry or with any ministry, you know what? I am making a commitment to you to seek the Lord, to put out the good word of God, to flow in the giftings and the anointing that God has given me and to follow his direction. And there's a lot of effort and faithfulness and commitment on my part and I just want to encourage you, not in a condemning kind of way, but just an encouragement that, you know what, it you need to take partnership seriously. It needs to be a commitment on your part. You need to pray about what God wants you to do and then take it as really a direction of God for your life and then respond as God direction. And when you do that, I can promise you that God will take care of your financial needs better accidentally than you've ever been able to do on purpose. You will become a blessing to people that will thank you throughout eternity for the difference that you've made in your life, that you've made in their life. And also you will be able to open up a door that will allow spiritually the anointings, the giftings, the favor, the blessings that are on my ministry or whatever ministry to flow towards you. Boy, those are tremendous things and things that I don't think a lot of Christians have thought about when they give. You need to recognize the power that is available in partnership and then put that power to work for you. That is powerful truth. Father, I just pray for every person right now that you seal these truths in their life, that these don't just become things that they hear and forget, but that, Father, they put this into practice and they begin to benefit from this. Father, especially the teaching that we were talking about today, for those who are desiring more in their life, they are looking to move higher in the Lord. I ask that, Father, you would bear witness with these things and show them these truths. And as they give, they'd give on purpose. And I just release, for those who are partnering with us, Father, I release the blessing, the anointings, that you've placed on my life, I release those things towards my partners. Father, the revelation knowledge that you've put in my life, I speak that unto them in Jesus' name, that the word of God's going to burn like fire in their heart. And that revelation will begin to come unto them that will change them and all of the people that they encounter. 
Father, I thank you that joy and peace be multiplied unto them through this knowledge of God. I thank you that these giftings of a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, discerning of spirit, Father, faith to flow and to see people healed and raised from the dead, I release that towards these partners. We stand on this scripture that as they give, that gift has opened up a door for them. And that, Father, great things are flowing towards them right now. And, Father, I thank you for that. I believe that that's your will. And we release our faith. We partner together right now. And thank you for doing that in Jesus' name. Amen.